0: Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Welcome to Footwork.
0: So Luke Stauffer, welcome to Footwork.
2: Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
1: It's our pleasure. We always start the same and we'll start the same today as well. What does make your own path mean to you as, as a footballer, as a person, as a world traveler of all these things, what does that mean to you?
2: I think what it means to me is going all in on a dream. I think, especially for lower tier footballers, whether that be in Germany whether that be in the United States I think that this profession requires you to empty your tank emotionally physically in almost every aspect so I think betting on yourself and going all in is what making your own path is is definitely about at least it is for me
0: love it who are you? Where were you? And where are you going?
2: Luke Stauffer, like he said. Um, Lucas Stauffer, maybe to the Germans. Stouffer. Um, Yeah, yeah. Hard <laughs> double F. Um, then where am I going?
0: Where were you and where are you going?
2: Oh, I was in Las Vegas this past season um, in the US All-Championship. Don't know where I'm going yet. Trying to figure that out. How not. is that for you? I mean, if you've
1: you've been around for a bit now. You've seen a lot of things, but this uncertainty always can creep in, and especially in these levels that we've played in and that you, you know, we're trying for to sure. get to. So how does that how do you deal with that 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 level of uncertainty? How do you approach
2: that either day-to-day or kind of looking long-term? I mean, it it definitely eats at you. At least it yeah. does it does for me. Like there are some days that are definitely better than others, but those those nerves and that instability in career or in my career at least um is something that i've always had to deal with and it and it eats at you it's hard like especially like in lower lower tier football like a lot of players go through that a lot of players don't get calls back don't get emails replied to um agents ghost them like it's it's a daunting process and just being able to kind of like I always say that being prepared is a skill and that's something that like I've been able to kind of hone in on is being prepared for the absolute unknown um so it's hard but it's definitely I was gonna say it gets easier it doesn't get easier it actually gets more difficult
1: yeah and i think that's that's one of the things that people don't understand because you've played at levels that many would say like you've made it because you have made it you've played at really really good levels but still these things can can creep in at times and i think that's kind of comes back to that that this game is really just waves it comes in waves of of good and bad and also like you think that you have the power but also like okay back to the drawing board again i got to I got an email, I got a call, I got to do these things.
2: Yeah, I think it's really important that it it's almost frowned upon I think for players to do their own legwork, but man, I think I think like we were like we were talking about, I think if you're not willing to do your own legwork or take the chance on yourself, how do you expect somebody else to take that chance on you? And that's something that I've kind of just like road by. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I, I make my own phone calls. I know that I pester the hell out of people. I do. I know that for sure. Um but I also know that I'm I'm a pretty loyal person. So I would never ask somebody to make a phone call or send a text message or an email that I would never that I wouldn't send for them if that mm. makes sense. And yeah, then absolutely. people within my, within my network know that. And they know that when I put my stamp on something, I mean it. Um, and yeah, I think that that's really important, especially when you're a more seasoned player. But then as you maybe transition into a sporting director role or a coaching role or agency or consulting or scouting or, or finance, whatever it may be, I think knowing that you're loyal and honest and trustworthy is absolutely invaluable for sure.
0: Was it always like that for you to kind of just back yourself and do the work all yourself or did it kind of gradually come on or maybe you got burnt one time and then it's, you decided, okay, I need to do everything on my own or at least try Uh, my best.
2: I've always, so like, man, I'm, I'm, Five seven. I'm not overly fast. I don't pass any eye test, you know. So <laughs> I, I really, I, I don't like. That's just the reality of my of my career and my situation. It's always been like that. It's never changed. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm extremely versatile. I know that I've got good character. I'm always in shape. I'm always fit, and I can play with both feet. Thankful to my foot my all background. Mm. But um yeah, I've always been the guy to send emails and reach out to people, even from, and, and I'm thankful for my parents, even at um 18 when I went over to Denmark for six months. Like I was supposed to go to Sporting Kansas City's Academy. I told my dad, listen, this Denmark thing sounds more intriguing to me especially the dream of playing in europe every kid should have it um who was the one making the phone call the 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 head of the academy at sporting really it was like you call him
1: yeah wow
2: and so i i've i've had experience having difficult conversations or um business type conversations from way back when
1: hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure you get it a lot, too. We have a lot of players that reach out to us, and I think this is always kind of a common thing in terms of reaching out to clubs, to sporting directors, to agents, et cetera, et cetera. So for someone who's done it and has become, mm-hmm. I guess, more comfortable than probably the, the average player in it, what kind of advice would you give in, in terms of kind of setting that connection or reaching out for an opportunity, whether it be from a club, scout, coach, et
2: cetera? in my opinion, don't ask them to watch your video. Just don't, um, don't be general. Um, and what I mean is like a very common text message I will send is, Hey, sporting director X, can I get 15 minutes of your time to get some advice? Thanks Luke Stoffer. Let me, or let me know when this is the most convenient for you. And that's, really easy. There's one sporting director that I'm very close with that whenever I send that text message within two minutes, he calls me always. And so, and our conversations never last more than 10 minutes. It's very short, direct and done. If he says, listen, I'm going to look at this player that you've, that you've sent me, or I'm going to look at your video. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at that. I know that he does it. And then the feedback is pretty, pretty quick as well. Um, but I think that that comes from just like establishing like a true rapport with those, with those people. It's hard for these for these guys in these positions to watch videos or go through resumes, especially because like the scouting budget in in the leagues that we're talking about probably isn't there. So it's a lot of head coaches, assistant coaches, and their circle doing a lot of the legwork. So it's how do you be as short and concise as possible, mm. in my opinion.
0: Such a great point to just pick up the phone and call. That alone makes the connection stronger, and Easy. sets you apart from just about everybody else because they're not they're not talking to them on they're speaking to them on the phone.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. email you're you're really like you're not really a person. You know what I mean? Like right. you're you're just letter you're just letters in a, in a message whereas
2: right you get and, someone and, and, that and, rapport then there's that back and forth and they're like okay there's a human element to this right and i think it's really really easy for somebody to say no over an email mm-hmm. but man it takes it it takes some balls it's to say difficult. no over the phone that's yeah. re that's much harder <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's a very good point so we um, have uh, we have yeah, do you have question a question.
1: We have an yeah. important question for you as a as a person who's who's been in Germany. We want to know what's the difference between Daddy and DAS?
2: Man, I'll have to get out my calculator. Means the same thing. It means the same thing, the same <laughs> yeah. thing to us too. There's a, oh, there's man. eight does.
1: For anyone who doesn't know Dude. a little bit of German, it's a that's that's one you
0: just, just you just say loss.
1: You say that. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. wave
0: the white flag.
1: You say a combination of
2: all three, just yeah. really close, just really yeah. like, you know, really, really quickly. Yeah. Dude, there's a. Do you guys follow Jordan Prince on Instagram?
1: Maybe
0: a, I'm not sure. He one one we definitely like follow those... a bunch that make fun of a lot of things. He's like good.
2: This. He's yeah. good, and he has this like. Um, he has this character Johannes that always that always calls him short and. <laughs> C-H-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan. (laughs) It's very funny. I I recommend it. He's
1: funny. That's amazing. Well, we want to get to Germany. We want to get to all the places. And I think kind of coming back to some of the things that you mentioned, one of the most interesting kind of opportunities, at least on paper, um, Mm -hmm. is that going out to play youth ball in Holland and Denmark. So Mm -hmm. can you speak? I mean, you talked a little bit about picking up the phone and stuff, but where does the initial connection come from? And then... Yeah, bring us into that time period and what it did for your growth as a, as a player and a person.
2: Yeah, so when I was – gosh, that must have been 12 or 13. Um, A scout came in and did a camp in Kentucky for our club. And they had said at the beginning, well, if you're good enough, like you'll go to Holland, but how many camps – really mean that when they say it. Mm -hmm. Um, So went through the camp, whatever, and then he came to my dad and was like, listen, like we want him to come to Holland. And my dad was kind of like on the fence at at the beginning um, and was like, listen, we're going to go play Dallas Cup this next spring and then maybe after that, we'll see. So I went down to Dallas Cup with the Chicago Magic and Cambor Lee and Warden was was the club that kind of like the camp umbrella was under. Um, and so went there, uh, actually trained with their under-18 team on one of the off days when they were training. Everything was good. They met with me at the hotel and was like, look, like, you're either going to have to pay for this school to go or you've got to find some – uh European citizenship somewhere. And so for like a year, me and my dad tried to drum up some ancestry stuff, but some of the stuff wasn't signed. We've all you, done it. We've yeah, all done it. You know how We've it goes. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um so regardless, that summer after Dallas Cup, me and then Amar Sadich, who's also from Kentucky, who plays for Atlanta United now, um went to Holland together. And stayed for probably like two months, three months, um, and then that that following year, Amar actually went back to Vitesse, mm-hmm. and I think played the year in Vitesse. I could be wrong, um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing experience being over in Holland. Then I came back and went to Shattuck-St. Mary's uh, up in Minnesota boarding school. Um, played there for three years, and then went over to Denmark. Uh, lived with a host family, played in Denmark. It was also so it was it, was, it was
1: like it was first like a host family kind of thing, or you had the connection.
2: Ah, uh, no, so I had committed to Creighton, so um they were the only school that recruited me. The only one. My dream was to go play either at U of l or i u. um mm-hmm. that was that was the the Midwestern Kentucky. Soccer that's, dream. The dream. Like, that's the I'm dream. That's the dream That's where I wanted. it's where I wanted to go. And it was funny. The coach of IU ended up being my coach at the combine. Little side story. And I told him I was like, "Man, I must have sent you like 500 emails." <laughs> and he was, and we were just like laughing about it. But that's how small the soccer world is, right? Yeah. But anyway, they, yeah, didn't recruit me, and so I committed to Creighton. And during a game at Shattuck during the spring, Creighton was there and this other school, Bucknell, was also there and was like, hey, the Bucknell coach went up to the Creighton coach and was like, well, how are the two guys that you've committed from Shattuck? And he's like, oh, they're good. We're trying to figure out one. There's no scholarship money left for the fall. And so I think he's going to take a gap year and go to Sporting. And so the Bucknell coach was like, look, I have this contact in Denmark. They're looking for a center midfielder. Would he do it? And I had expressed my interest to Elmar Bolovich, the head coach of Creighton of going overseas already, like even before I had gotten to school. And so he ran it by me and I was like, yes, hundred percent. And so I lived with a host family for six months. Um, Amazing people, probably one of the most, amazing experiences of my life very very grateful for them still in touch with them to this day um and yeah played over there then ended up going to Creighton in the winter of 2013 mm-hmm. or 2014 I can't. I think 2014 actually 2014.
1: Did you did you find it like a shark a sharp contrast in terms of the level but also kind of what was like you know the strategy or the important things that were outlined by coaches and things like that going from Denmark back into the US system at Creighton
2: uh, yeah Denmark prepared me very well um, mm-hmm. for the first for the first like 3 weeks i was only with the under 19 team in Denmark and then after 3 weeks after a couple league games i was just with the first team that i think i think they now play in, in the Superliga the top league i think um violet was the club um and yeah so I was Mm -hmm. playing with men already Mm -hmm. and so that transition to Creighton was a little bit easier and the academic was a little bit hard at the beginning but that kind of worked itself out after the after the first semester um so yeah it it was good enjoyed
1: a yeah it seems like you enjoyed a really good career at Creighton do you feel like it kind of ignited you into that or did it Take a little bit to get into it, Creighton. Like how did
2: how how do you look back at like the four years there? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, I I think I really thrived under one the style of play, two the quality of players, and three the quality of coaches and support staff that was that were there. Um, and yeah, you know, they like ultimately like they were the ones who took a chance on me like the the question mark for everybody even probably still to this day is my athleticism but somehow some way like i i play 30 games a season you know and the question mark on my athleticism still always still always is there but like i'm always constantly like proving people wrong Mm. and like on the flip side, at Creighton, I proved them right. Like they yeah. gave me, they gave me a chance, and I, like they put me in the best position to succeed. And we had pretty four pretty successful years. Um, and yeah, I really, I, yeah, Creighton, the Creighton time was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed my time there.
1: Did that make it a little bit sweeter? Just kind of like doing it with someone who had supported you and believed in you, and then you know
2: to absolutely the yeah absolutely I'm still I I'm still in touch with uh Johnny Torres who's the head coach there now um to this day we talk probably once every two weeks or so um so that's a really close friend um that I have now and yeah it was it was great man um but still like even after a pretty good four-year career um question the question of athleticism or or ability comes was up again still it's still yeah before the MLS draft before that um so I ended up getting invited to the combine nevertheless but it was still like a question
0: mark yeah but then you wind up getting drafted so walk us through that I mean what is your mentality going into that you said you were invited to the combine so I'm sure you had yeah. good performance there and then what was your future looking like in that moment
2: Yeah. So a a bigger agency took me on, um, and basically prefaced like, look, we're going to do everything that you can, that we can to get you into the combine. But realistically, like, I don't think that you'll get invited. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to stay ready. Like, like I've always done. And it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and so I ended up getting the email that I got invited. And I was like, "Okay, I have got to be the most in shape that I've ever been in." And so we got down there, and the it was the first game. Yeah. What is the whole it setup was, of the of the MLS Combine like? Well, it's changed now. Mm-hmm. It's changed. It's changed now, but when I did it, it was like a five day event. Three three game days and two days of meetings, if you got any. Um, so are I you went paying, are you paying everything yourself? How does that work? No, they fit it all. They do everything. Okay, cool. Yeah. So food, housing, whatever, they fit it all. So um, I got down to Orlando, it was at Orlando City Stadium, and my agent was down there. Obviously, every agent, every GM, every sporting director, coaching staff, you name it, they're down there. And he basically prefaced me and was like, listen, I don't think that you're gonna have any meetings. Don't worry. It happens. Like, don't worry. It's gonna be good. So the very first day I was they put me at left back. Um, and I remember that the high the highest like prospect going into the draft was this uh was this guy named Francis Atuahine. From Michigan mm-hmm. um and he ended up going to FC Dallas but he was on my side in the very first combine game and it's probably one of the best games I've had to date was was a really good game for me and so after the it's kind of a sinker moment too huh absolutely and you know thankfully like usually in those moments like over the course of my career I've done pretty Pretty well in, in those like, all right, it's time to time to step up sort of sort of moments. So played well. And then afterwards, yeah, they my agents were like, listen, like a lot of teams are interested, like you've got to have a good second day, ended up playing defensive midfielder the second day all played also well i still think I, to this day still think i'm a better midfielder than i am outside back that's a different conversation <laughs> it's a different conversation <laughs> every defender says that right um, i'm glad that's
1: on record though it's on record
2: yeah it is on record um <sighs> and so yeah then i ended up i think i had 15 meetings 16 meetings
1: with different
0: so that's just,
2: you're, you're going into a room with a coach and they're a... just
0: asking you questions or you're asking them questions
2: or it's both oh they're asking you questions Like, I went into a meeting with with Atlanta with um, Tata Martino, Carlos Bocanagra, and then then uh, Scott Donnelly, who was the second team uh, coach at the time, and a translator for Tata. And it was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences of my... Oh, man. It's way... Yeah, it's... You know, and you try and do your due diligence, like even like as an American, I feel like not enough players, especially in like the 18 to 22 age gap, don't watch enough MLS. And so like one thing that I tried to do was do a lot, do research on basically the entire league, the best players on the teams that were interested in me and try and come somewhat prepared. So if they did ask me a question about, team or performance or style of play whatever I would be ready um so yeah went through the meetings and then long story short ended up getting drafted to the Whitecaps and yeah that started the professional game for me I guess I love
1: that I feel like I mean these moments that we talk about I feel like you seem quite calm in them or at least that's maybe how you approach it and it it seems to me that maybe in these moments you kind of look at your preparation beforehand and that allows you to maybe approach it in a calmer mindset because you are so trusting and so you know you you know what you've done up until this point and you know you've done everything you can so you feel like okay i'm ready in these moments
2: for sure um the same workout program and i kid you not the same workout program that i do now i was doing in high school same thing the wow. exact like no different like it, it's funny because um right now i'm at so our or our family business is a futsal academy in Owensboro Kentucky and so i've been very blessed to have courts balls at my disposal for yeah since since i can remember we started in 2002 on a tennis court and now we've got our own warehouse and it's great, It's great for the area and um, we've produced a couple professional players and a number of college ones. so it's been very good in in that regard. But like just for my personal development, I mean, really, every every offseason, it's me, my dad, and my dog. And we write down every time we write down like time for runs, we work out, or we uh, write down every, detail of the entire workout and we've got it all in a notebook and so like for this off season all really you have to do is follow the plan am i hitting my numbers and if i am then i know that i'm in shape i'm ready Mm -hmm. and like i did the same the same exact thing before vancouver like before Mm -hmm. the vancouver preseason. and not that it's super important but i do think that like there is value in a fitness test And that may rub some soccer people the wrong way. But I think like it definitely weeds out like how hard can I push this guy versus, especially with a college guy that you don't know, like maybe he's a great player, but does he fold? And I I didn't sign in Vancouver, but I do know that when I left there, they knew that like this guy would run through a freaking brick wall for any of these players. And it just so happened that I, it was a bit of an unlucky situation to, to um, put it politely, but regardless, like that being prepared factor, because being prepared is absolutely a skill for Mm -hmm. sure. It's something that, that consistency brings. And so in these moments, like I I've always been, Prepared, And the preparedness has come from the fear of not being prepared or being found out because I've never had the luxury of, of like walking into some somewhere and being, oh, I'm the best player. I always come in as number two, every single, every single year on every single team, I come in as number two and the first couple games, maybe I don't play, but by the end of the season, I've got 25 games under my belt it's it's happened in it happened in vancouver new york uh, germany and was still kind of the same cases uh in vegas like i wasn't the first choice they they told me that and i said okay well no problem the same as same as always wait (laughs) you thrive you (laughs) thrive off that don't you oh yeah the the underdog mentality thing that that is when somebody thinks that I'm going to be 25 to 30 spot on the roster. Perfect. Mm. Perfect. Yeah. To this day. I mean, just like awesome. Great.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. And I think what's so one of like the benefits I think of coming in as underdogs is that you always know that like you don't rest on your laurels. You know what I mean? Like you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't have that, that luxury to be comfortable in any moment. And I think that helps us in those moments because we know like, we're going to have to work twice as hard and then we come in already ready. And so it's like, now we're, now we're exceeding expectations from the jump. And that's like that first impression. And then the second impression, we're like, Oh, we're, we're on the way up. We're going. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this
2: this guy can't play weird. (laughs) Like, I know you just gotta, just gotta give me the chance. Um, so it's been good nonetheless.
0: And how did you how did you go from Whitecaps to Red Bulls? What happened there? Uh
2: so I got I got released from uh Vancouver. I honestly thought that they were going to sign me because they had waited so long. So there's a clause in the contract for or with the U uh MLSPA, excuse me. Um that like if you're not told by a certain date then you automatically just get a contract for that year. I think was, was oh, wow. the way it um, was the way it was worded or whatever, but they let me go that day. Like the, like the very yeah. day of, day of, um, yeah, I'm, uh, no, no shame. No shame. They didn't, they didn't bring me into the office. They didn't have like a formal meeting to me. I'll say it. Carl Robinson took me on the field after training it was after the second training of the day. It was around five o'clock. And he um, looked at me and he was like, hey, like, can I have a word? And I was like, okay. And he was like, look, like, yeah, we think you've done okay. Keep in mind you, like, I've played every minute of almost every preseason game. I made every trip, you know, like, I was very much a part of the team. Like, I I still have friends that – um I played with during that like two month period. Like, and they're still, they're still my friends and they're still connections and colleagues. Um, but he said, yeah, you're here, but we need you to be here. And I didn't really have anything to say. And I said, okay, super specific. Yeah. Yeah, Right.
0: Thanks. I'll work on that.
2: (laughs) And at the time, the agency that I was with, um, Oh, I won't name names, but Montreal was very keen on bringing me in um, as well as Minnesota United. So it was the first, it was the first uh, match day of MLS and my agent had flown in because he had a player from Montreal and uh, they were playing in Vancouver and I was sitting in the Hyatt Regency hotel, talking to my dad on the phone and Remy Gard, who is the head coach of Montreal at the time, who was like, listen, if you're available in the draft, I don't think you're an outside back. You are a center midfielder. And like, if I can get you, I'll get you. And I said, okay. So anyway, he comes up to me. I didn't even think that like these people, like it's almost too good to be true when somebody says something to you like that especially to a guy that's always been like under undervalued or at least he thinks he's been undervalued. So like, you take it with a grain of salt. You're like, all right, well, whatever. And he came up to me and he was like, Lucas, like, why? Like we haven't seen anything. Are you signed or are you not? I was like, you know, as well as I do, like, I I don't, I don't know. And he was like, let me talk to your agent. Uh, Our sporting director is here as well. Let's try Let's try and get you to Montreal. I was like, great. Um, but anyway, it, it fell through for whatever reason. And um, the guy that they drafted that I think I would was there to play. Not not over, but was was the position that they were looking for, ended up playing 34 games in MLS that year. So it was one of those things that was kind of like right or wrong wrong situation, wrong timing, which Mm. at the time I couldn't, I couldn't deal with. And, you know, it was a very, very, very difficult time mentally for me. So I I flew home, flew back to Kentucky, didn't train, didn't really do anything for about two weeks. Then I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to go up to Chicago and see my best friend or one of my best friends and um, drove up there i'm sitting i'm sitting up on the couch about to crack open a beer and my phone rings and it's chris Armas, who i had sent an email to later in the day or earlier in the day about hey like i just got released like can we can i come up there can i try out can something happen and i picked up my phone and i'm like hello and he's like lucas like we want to we want to bring you to new york like we think we really liked you at the combine we'd love to have you in our second team I said okay so i had dinner with my friend and immediately drove back to owensboro which is about a six hour drive um and two days later i was in new york was training um and they said you don't have an agent anymore like who's your agent i was like well talk to me i'll do it And they were like, well, this is your contract. And I was like, okay, like just signed it, signed it blindly. Like it was a year with, with an option, but at the time, like I just wanted to get playing because the USL had already started. MLS had already started. So I was very much behind the eight ball, but yeah. um, That's kind of how I ended up in, in New York. And it was a good season. We had a really good team. Um, And yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a, good experience for sure.
1: And then transition. I mean, we kind of go through another period where I guess the option didn't get picked up. I don't know if you want to go into these kind of things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. um, Yeah. Uh, They brought me into the office and they were like, listen, your option is not getting picked up. We can, we're going to find somebody younger in the draft. Um, We're really happy with how you conducted yourself this year, but we're looking for guys to play on the first team and we don't see you playing over Kyle Duncan. And I was like, fair, fair enough. Like, at least it was a, like, I always say that I would rather have a no than a maybe because the maybe is what keeps you on the hook. But if you have the, but if you get a no, then that's when you can start to move. Okay. So what do I, what else do I need to do? Um, so again, go through the off season training, normal, uh, I had one USL team that wanted to bring me in for preseason. That's all I, that's all I had in January. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is like my time to like go absolutely all in. I'm going to go to Europe. So I start drumming up my Danish connections because I was like, okay, in Denmark, like I've got a place to stay. So I'm going to start there. So an agent calls me back and he's like, listen, this was Wednesday morning. I cannot make this up. This was like January January 12th or 13th. It was a Wednesday. Should I look that up? I'll memory. look that up to about yeah. Uh, yeah, Man, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and the guy texted me in the morning, obviously, because of the time change. And he said, listen, um, Fredericia club in Denmark is playing against Michelin tomorrow can you be there and i was like
0: (laughs) well technically yes give me i was like give me
2: like an hour hour went by and i was like i talked to my parents and i was like do i do this like and they were like do you want to and i was like well i gotta start somewhere Booked the flight out of uh out of Nashville. It's about an hour and 40 minute drive from my house for that night. <laughs> Landed, picked up from the airport, went and played. <laughs> I I kid you not. Yeah. How'd the game it's go?
0: Crazy. How'd it go?
2: For a for an eight hour plane ride, yeah, I played all right. You yeah. know, and so they were like, Yeah, like we'll keep you we'll keep you for the week and see what happens. If, yeah. And so I went through preseason with this club called Fredericia. Um, and then uh, they had a partnership at the time with Michelin. And that's when Michelin was making, and I think, what was it, Europa League? They, had, they had, That was the first year that they had done, like, extremely well. So um, they were like, listen, we'll send our younger guys on loan to Fredericia um, just to play. And so that happened and they were like, listen, we don't we don't want to use an international spot on um, you. So whatever. And so then I went and trained in a park in Ektvu, Denmark, which is like 5000 people. That's where my host family lives. Um, so I'd walk to and from the park. I go on runs. I do different things all by myself. Um, and I started like making phone calls again and my buddy was like listen we you can I I've got something for you in in Germany and I was like where and he was like Schalke's second team I said okay perfect so I took the trip i again these stories man this is what you like being a journeyman or a quote unquote journeyman like you have these stories that will just all, always stick with you um so i was at shalka the very first day um i was in a keep in mind you i'm doing this all on like my own dime yeah like when i say i'm mm-hmm. broke i am broke <laughs> and so the capital b <laughs> Couldn't could not be bigger. Could, the the biggest, boldest letter that you can find. Um and I checked myself in because I didn't know where I was like gonna stay. Like and though they just said, Yeah, you can come train. So I booked a uh hotel for the night and uh Yeah. Went to training. I only did it for one night. So I like these big Nike duffel bags that I would carry across. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to the Schalke stadium, but there's this massive parking lot before the stadium and you have to walk through this massive parking lot to get to the other side. You go upstairs, go over a bridge downstairs, and then you're in like their training, like center. And so I will never forget that walk because I did that walk straight for like seven days. Mm. So I get to training and Gerald Asamoa who's the head of the second team at the time comes up to me and he's like, you know, like Tim Kubel, who is the one who made the phone call, uh, who works for, works with War- Warubi, um, told me so many things about you, like, you're this young exciting player you're 23 and i kind of like looked at him and i was like i'm 25 i was 24 and 25 at the time but tim had like told him like the wrong age
1: that's such a big difference too from for for the the second team team. Yeah.
2: yeah and they were like really i was like yeah and he was like okay well still train like whatever and then like after two days they were like listen like because of your age and we've already got our older players like you're more than welcome to stay for as long as you want um whatever and so it's just funny with how like a smile a good attitude and just you being authentic uh, authentically like yourself and genuine like on my last day there they gave me like these two massive duffel bags of just Schalke gear.
1: That's and amazing. they are like, Sick.
2: yeah, and they were like, listen, like whenever you're around here, like come back, see us, like thank you so much. And this was all in, because I didn't speak German at the time. But yeah, I I remember that and they were just so kind. All the guys there, the one of the players from Australia let me stay at the apartment for his apartment for a couple nights. So just like, there are good people everywhere. And especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to cultivate a career, um, it, it takes a village. Like it's like, yes, I'm the one making the phone calls, but ultimately like, whether it be agents or friends or, or teammates or Warubi, you know, like they're like, it really does take a village. And yeah, I've just been so blessed that there have been good people. There are good people everywhere. And I've been happy to come in contact with them
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't known you that long, but one thing I can kind of gain from this conversation is I feel like you value relationships very highly, especially Mm -hmm. not even just in your career, just in general. And like you said, like, you know, it's the connections you just made at Chalka, even though it didn't work out. I mean, everyone seemed to have benefit from that time. 'Cause they seem to really enjoy you there. You seem to enjoy it there. And I think that's one of those values that you rate really highly.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to because like at the end of the day, like the 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 players, the players that are remembered are the guys that are making millions of dollars, that are on Nike posters, that are doing all these things. Like, so for the rest of us yeah maybe maybe you become a club legend at at let's say Louisville City, but as time passes and if they go to mls like you may you might run the risk of being forgotten. but if you're a good guy and people genuinely like having you around, man, you'll never that's that's a way to have like a legacy,
1: yeah, it's definitely a legacy in itself yeah.
2: For sure. And that's one thing that like, I think that I take extremely seriously. Um, Like for example, this off season, um, a club wanted, was on the fence um, because I didn't have like my option decline letter. And I, and I told them like, look, like you've got my word. And they're like, what if something better comes along? And I was like, listen, when I say that, like, I don't care if, if we can agree to this verbally, you've got my word. You, you like can, can bet on it. Can, can really take that to heart. And it ended up not working out or hasn't worked out as of yet. But, um, I, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Was that Dr. Seuss?
1: I think. I know, but- you know, it might've been, it sounded more profound. And then you said, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wow. know if that was Dr. Seuss or not, still, but it
2: I, could be, yeah, it could be, could be, but yeah, it's, it's because like when you're done playing, whether it be finance or coaching or, or whatever, like that's, that's what we've, that's what we've got. That's what, when we're 80 years old, that's what we remember. We remember taking the two bags over your shoulder, walking through a parking lot that's felt 10 miles long Mm-hmm. Or the the 70 year old man that gave you two bags of shulke gear. You know, and that's just not coincidence. That's that's really valuing human connection and human relationships and not taking any moment for granted, I think. Yeah, yeah I couldn't have said it better.
0: Well said. <laughs> and then and then trials, trials, trials. You stay in Germany and continue the trials at this point.
2: Yep, and then uh, Tim put me in touch with Wa Ruby. Yep, and so shout I went to Leipzig. To yeah, shout yes. out. Um, went and stayed with Chris and Mati Langer for man, it felt like months. And I know, <laughs> I like, I know that I drove them nuts. I know that I did. <laughs> um, but regardless of all that, they helped uh, get me a contract in Nordhausen. And um, played Nordhausen for the year. We ended up going bankrupt. Uh, this was during COVID, and then ended up playing two seasons at Carl Zeissiena which was a fantastic setup—a very storied club, a club with a lot of history. Um, and then yeah, then in Las Vegas this past season. So it's been a been a bit of a bit of a journey for sure. And I mean, that's
1: part of it, too. Like you have this very unique uh, perspective on things. And I would I'm always I always like to not necessarily compare because I know all these leagues are just quite different in terms of mm-hmm. so many things. But when you kind of look at the regional Liga, which is the fourth tier for those who don't mm-hmm. know, um, especially in the North Oast and the Northeast there. I mean, how would you kind of describe that level, that type of play, the fans? How do you how how would you describe that, especially to our American listeners?
2: Yeah, it's 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 intense with promotion relegation that brings a not only financial, but a different emotion to most games or to every mm. game. Um, so in that, in that regard, that just makes it whether the play is better or not is kind of kind of doesn't matter because, because of that intensity, the games are ultimately very difficult. Um, so in comparison to like the USL, for example, the soccer in the USL probably is better. But the intensity of the games might lack sometimes if you're out of playoffs. You know, if you're playing against a team where you're both out of playoffs and you have nothing really to play for, it's it's more difficult to get up for that game. And, you know, that, that might rub some of the people the, the wrong way. But I know that, almost every player like will say the same thing. So it is a little bit different in that regard. Um, but yeah, the, the nord league over the course of like the promotion to the third division, whenever the nord plays the West, most of the time the nord team has won. If you look back in like the last five to seven years, um, normally I think it's much more to the side of the nord um side. So clubs like Zwickau, for example, with Joe Anox. You mm-hmm. know, um, absolute grinder mentality team that has ultimately had success. Unfortunately, they're in the fourth division now, but regardless, when Joe was there, a ton of success. Um, Jena, a ton of success in, in European mm-hmm. competitions over the history of, of the club. Um, played in second league, have played in the third division. So um, these clubs in the uh, in, in that league, specifically Colpus, Greg Burhalter played for yeah, Colpus, you know, yeah. that's a massive stadium. and they still sell it out almost every game. So um, just it's this this these football clubs are deeply rooted in the tradition of the people there. Um, and I think that the USL and the MLS will get to that point, but it's mm. just a lot newer over here. Um, and that's okay. But trying to compare it with Europe is, is, I don't think it's a fair comparison just because like yeah. that tradition is, is there and we're still building out, which is more than okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: Definitely. But I think each league kind of has their own, I guess, emphasis. And so mm-hmm. not to say that one emphasis is better than the other, but right. what do you think the emphasis was in the fourth tier, uh, the fourth year you played in, in Germany? And what is the emphasis do you see more across the board in the USL championship?
2: Um, in, in Germany, it was for sure to get promoted. 100%. That was, that was the goal. The goal was to win the league. And unfortunately in our last season in Jena, we lost promotion by three points. Wow. Which is, which is a, which is a shame. Heartbreaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the club now, or if you look at the players off that team now, most of them went to the third division. So they, they invested a lot of money in that last season Um, that I was there, but ultimately we just couldn't get it done. Um, But yeah, for those clubs, it's promotion. Yeah. Um, and I would probably say in the USL, the focus is, yeah, obviously to win to win a championship. Obviously to do well in the US Open Cup. And I think the third being um, to develop young players and send them on. I think the USL does a fantastic job of that. Um, is, is promoting these young players and with America and with social media, playing such a such a heavy emphasis and that american sports probably do it the best the promote the the promoting of players within the league is fantastic in the usl and in mls they do a really good job of, of doing that and so like look at josh winder from louisville city you know joe gomez another one who's a who's an eintracht Braunschweig, like those clubs are doing a fantastic job of pushing their players from within. Um, and I think that only grows the American game. And I think that ultimately gives the USL just using Louisville city as an, as an example, I think that gives the USL way more credibility and way more, Oh, these guys are here to play. Like they're great players in the USL. Like look at Milan Alaski's transfer from orange County to Denmark. Yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. You know, that wasn't happening a couple years ago, but now like there is a ton of quality in the USL. It is a difficult league. It is it, it, like just on travel alone, not even speaking about the individual just, quality. Just of speaking players. about that today with a USL player I was training with and the, the travel, yeah.
1: people don't understand that, especially coming from European countries where it's hard. The largest travel you have is maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, like four or five hours or something like that, you know? yeah
2: on a bus and so you know and these like with all those factors like the usl is definitely like a difficult league to play in so and and has a lot of quality and like i feel like world soccer is starting to like understand that and give notice it yeah yeah for sure 100 percent.
0: what did you take away from from german football and brought it back to your time in the u.s or just added it to your game rather
2: tactics 100% like not even like not even thinking about it tactically I was all over the board my first year in Germany and so um after probably the first year I got a little bit better and by the end of that um by the end of that second year in Jena I was I I would say more confident and that's statistically my best year in, in Germany like um coming down to just blatant statistics and I think it has to do with that tactical development that the your average German would get at a young age. Um but like when I say that it, it sounds like I'm sliding like American like teaching I guess but like the, the foundations and the tactic tactics in football in germany are just so heavy from a young age where here it's more like yeah and so some of the some of the things you just kind of can't teach especially over there but it definitely has helped me coming back within the united states just from the pure athleticism of games um so this past season like i i could really tell a difference that like tactically like i was i was good um mm-hmm. and that's for sure from germany
1: i think of a lot of times especially as americans and americans who have played abroad we kind of talk about what maybe the american game can take from european game but what do you think the european game maybe germany or denmark or places you've been can kind of take from the usl or the american styles that you've been more accompanied with uh, recently is there anything that yeah. comes to mind
2: um i maybe maybe not football wise but maybe more maybe more like mentality mm-hmm. um like especially especially in in lower tiered football like like americans are like i'm trying to think of how to put it jesse marsh said it I'm Trying to think he, he he had a really good quote on this like american american like I don't know if it was ignorance or a different like just a different mentality of saying, listen, like Like I kind of blind
1: and
2: ambition ambition
1: almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that American players like have that. Well, yeah, I can do it. I can go play in the Bundesliga. I can go do this. And whether you can or not doesn't really matter. But having that having that mentality and that goal to say like, man, whatever, I don't care what anyone says, like, I'm going to go try it. And like, I think that people can take, can take that and kind of apply it to any walk of life. Like I'm a huge believer and dreamer that anybody can do anything, but I do think it takes a lot of luck and a lot of the timing is very important, especially in soccer, but Mm -hmm. Having the ability to dream and for me to have the ability to dream at, at 28, I don't think that I would get if I was from another country.
1: Hmm. No, that's a really good point because yeah. I do think especially in Germany, there's an age where people like kind of lose that ambition because it's ingrained in them too that if they haven't made it to a certain level by a certain date that it's done. And I feel like I mean maybe that's in other European countries too, and you may even find in the US. but I just feel across the board, There is that kind of more blind ambition that's like, and hopefully it doesn't spill into ignorance and thinking that you're better. For sure. Absolutely. Something. But when it's not, when it's controlled and you're just like, no, I'm going to put the work in, but I know I can reach to these levels. Fuck what everyone else says. That is something that I do find more in the American mentality, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah,
2: 100%. And I don't, and I think that, like you said, controlled is the Mm -hmm. emphasis there. Um, or heavy emphasis on control. I think that, um, yeah, I feel like trying to stay even keeled is is the most important, especially when oh, yeah. talking about that that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and reflecting on the journey right now, what would you say helped you to get to this moment? So, in other words, why did Lucas or Luke make it as a pro, and why is he still going?
2: Man, I think my ability to be prepared. I really do. I think that, um, you know, what you're going to get, you know, that you're going to get a a good locker room guy. Um, you're going to get someone who is hungry every single day. Um, and also is going to, is going to produce. Like if you look at every team that I've been on, like goals, assists, minutes played, chances created, those are, those are things that I bring to the table. Um, and just, you know, just being a good person. And it sounds so corny, but, but I mean, it's, it's important because you on every team, anywhere, you're going to have your guys that are going to be more difficult personalities. And so having guys that can one play two do a lot of different things, three compete and four kind of like stabilize the ship in a way in a locker room. Like that's a massive undervalue quality that i feel like isn't looked at enough within within lower tier soccer and of course then you get into budgets and scouting whatever because like i'm sure that bayern munich does that <laughs> or 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 eintracht frankfurt or whatever club you want to pick that's got close to like an unlimited budget generally speaking but finding those guys that to, to stabilize Things when when stuff isn't going well, I think is really important. And I think that I bring that to every team that I've that I've been on.
1: Love that. Luke, Lucas, Stoifer, Stoifer. We're gonna get into the <laughs> fast feet round now. So okay. questions to end off. So favorite player growing up.
2: Favorite player growing up. Ronaldinho. Hmm. It's a class answer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ronaldinho, for sure.
0: A favorite moment in football?
2: Favorite moment in football. Either playing in CONCACAF with the futsal national team or the German Cup against Cologne.
1: Oh, wow. Cool. Very so good. You
2: played in the po- – You played Pocal first round against FC Cologne? Yep. And I guarded uh, Jonas Hector who won oh, the wow. World Cup with Germany wow. in 2014. Yeah. That was a very cool moment. Yeah. Um, wow. Did you get almost. his jersey afterwards? No, our goalie took it. Freaking oh. Tom Muller, man. He was quick, too. Shada. shot a, shada. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the bad? He's, he, like, for example, he, he's playing for SC Farrell right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, him yeah. and then... My uh, Corbos. Yeah, yeah. And then Maximilian Wolfram is also a teammate of mine. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. plays for them yeah. as well. They're having a great year.
1: Yeah, good for them, man. Most difficult moment in football?
2: Getting released from Vancouver. Yeah. Tough.
0: Best advice you ever received?
2: Uh, from my dad. Freshman year of college. Play so well that they can't help to take you off the field.
1: Ooh. For sure. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Well spoken, dad
2: yeah 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 it was good. How about favorite place you've lived who Vancouver for that three month period was fantastic um Beautiful. But, and I re- yeah amazing um, but I really like Germany too, probably between those two best player you've
0: ever played with and against
2: okay, so do they have to, like were they on the team with me or could I say like over a prolonged period of time I trained with them or they were in training every day? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Make your own roles. Okay, It's okay. your episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, definitely Alfonso Davies for sure. Oh wow. Okay. Va- in Vancouver. And then uh, Giuseppe Rossi. So he Ooh, was wow. at, he was in New York um, or New Jersey rather. And he would and he trained with us for about a month and a half. He would do second Mm. team and first team trainings. Fantastic. Like one of those guys that one of those guys that you kind of because like on on TV, man, you look and you say, I I could do that. And so and like over the course of this journey, you over yeah, over the course of this journey you find guys that like have had these amazing careers, and you're like, I could do that. But then you find guys that are like, whoa. Him, he was he was one, and then I was only there for for about ten days, but Landon Donovan too. Shot. That's, That's quite the name drop, right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, because he was the coach. Of, he was the coach of San Diego. Yeah. Um, and, man. You could still Ron, see it, he huh? played, oh, played Rondo w- with us, and I'm sure that if you ever have guys that played for him, can probably attest more. But even in that week, he would do finishing after training, anything in his wheelhouse, anything in like a three-yard like bubble, head, left foot, right foot, knee, dive, whatever. He's goal, goal, yeah, yeah. So wow, those three amazing. probably, which I didn't really play with Donovan, obviously, but regardless good guy and, and, yeah 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 and class for sure
1: does it surprise you with alfonso davies to see i mean obviously you said it's like how good he was but does it surprise you to see the level that he's actually gotten to arguably one of the best left backs in the world
2: no it doesn't because uh the the player that i saw in vancouver versus the player that you see now on tv is miles different but like everything was there Mm -hmm. like he just needed it to be like he just needed a club to 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 cultivate it and like ultimately like train him because you got to think like his like so like if you're at a uh, maybe i don't know if you're playing professional soccer at like the same level for a long period of time your your trajectory we hope is like this, right? So it's kind of like more just like this slow burn sort of thing going up. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Where
2: like when he went to Bayern that first, that, that like very first season, it was like this, like it didn't matter Mm -hmm. what was going on every single day. Like the moment he stepped in that training center, I mean, he's learning and, and growing. And now obviously like he's, Super, super athletic. He's great one versus one. He's really good on the ball. So like now, like it's just, yeah, I could definitely see it for sure.
1: it's um, uh, me, yeah, right? You go to the next one. Yep. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be?
2: Um, I always would. I would have loved to do something like in fashion for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah. like that. Yeah. Designing, promoting. Designing. I think designing. I like clothes, and I like putting together outfits. Nice. Um, so I think something in an i in an ideal world, I think something like that for sure, or that's some cool. sort of translator. I think that would be really cool too. Like one of those crazy ones. I like it. One of those crazy yeah. ones. That's like the
1: translator for like Bielsa or some shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> when we were in it, was so. When, when I was playing for the Menace uh, PDL team, they had brought, so I, I don't know if they even still do it, but sometimes, like, players will, like, to make extra money, which they maybe don't need, I don't know, but will, like, go over early and, like, do, like, appearances. And so the owner of Des Moines had brought Rakitic when he was playing in Barcelona to Des Moines to like promote the game whatever
1: and so it was only like
2: a two or three day thing but i've never seen it before um but when he walked like into our locker room he had like five different agents with him he had a guy that spoke german he had a guy that spoke croatian he had a guy that spoke spanish you name it like he and he would just like rattle off in these different languages and i was like that's crazy that is so so cool that's sick
0: any quote or mantra that you live by?
2: Um, Probably the one that my, that my dad said, probably like play so well that they can't take you off the field. And then being prepared as a skill and always betting on yourself. Probably those three.
1: Love that. Yeah. I mean, it's eminent in your story and, you know, we're. We're super happy you came on today. It was amazing yeah. that we finally got to connect. I know there was a bit yes. of finally back and forth to get that date down, that time down. But yeah. we really appreciate the time. You know, we're looking forward to seeing where the the career takes you, and all the best in this in this period of search and and preparation.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me, and hopefully we can do it again at some point.
1: Yeah, for hopefully sure. next time's got to be in person too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's gonna be yes. that'll be a fun one too.
0: Location uh to be announced TBD.
1: Yeah. Yeah, tbd yeah exactly yeah
2: follow follow the podcast for more
1: there you go the Instagram <laughs> Exactly. <cap. laughs> that's how it's done he knows that's how you it's done it. he knows he knows how it works special shout out to lucas glad Luke. to finally do it finally do uh make the connection get the conversations going i mean yeah it's a it's it's a player who's been around. It's a player who's seen and witnessed a lot of things, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. And I think um, the mindset to be able to do what we do, especially when you're grinding in some of the lower leagues and you're trying to find contracts and you're getting a lot of no's and maybe going on a lot of trials and trials. Like it takes a specific type of person or an attitude or just that, I guess, knowledge that there might be sacrifice or the, willingness, I guess, to sacrifice and to suffer a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think um, I mean, it comes back to preparation for him. He is he is someone who's so determined to be ready for the moment when it comes that he has risen to those occasions and he's made a great career for himself. I mean, had a really good season last year. And I hope that, you know, even kind of widens the shop window for him. And, you know, he's able to get exactly what he wants, where he wants, because like he said, I think a team who takes a chance on him is getting a player who is loyal, who is going to put everything into every single training session because they want it. They love to be right. there, and they're doing it for the right reasons. And I think I think more teams need to take chances on players exactly like him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, his career speaks for itself, um, and he's done it in multiple places. So, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see where where the next step is. Yeah. Um, he had a good last season he did really well in 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 jena and in in Germany, which is a very big team big club to play for um they have very high expectations unfortunately like he said they missed out on promotion but um yeah just an awesome career awesome mindset I like the idea is is what he's saying is preparation is a skill because it is um yep. and clearly he prides himself on that and it's led to him having success whenever he was given an opportunity.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, it's just comes back to that. He's, he's never even making it to good levels. He's never kind of felt that, that spoiledness that like, you know, I've done this, so I don't need to go back and work and get my hands dirty and make, or, you know, send emails, make calls. Like, I think that's such a, and we talked about that right from the get-go was like getting back to those basics of like, I'm going to control my own destiny. I think a lot of the times, like we talked about in the episode with Keeks just the other day, where we feel like a lot of the times you're reliant on too many people. And so sometimes like even if you have played at great levels, sometimes you need to kind of take it back into your own hands and and talk and call, especially call. And you never know what you can get from those things and you never know what could be if you don't if you don't do it. If you don't even yeah. try at least.
0: Yeah, I love it's the idea of attitude. It's a good attitude, and I of... think,
1: and I think that's a good thing. I mean, specifically, I took because I'm going through a period. I'm trying to find a new team again, and I think that's just kind of for me, not a slap in the face, but just kind of like another thing. Like, I could be doing more. Like, I yeah. could always be doing more. I could always be researching. I don't have to be so reliant all the time. Um, and again, it's like uh, these episodes. You get a lot from them personally, and that was just another thing. Where it was like, wait. Like I could be doing more in this. I don't have to be waiting all the time. Yeah, and yeah. nothing may come, but at least I'm I'm throwing my hat in the ring. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I totally. like that that he did, and I really took that.
0: Totally. Yeah, and with that, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, what else <laughs> we got? I mean, we're housekeeping. We're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> it's good to be back Merry with Christmas the guests and all that jazz. Merry Christmas and, and all the, that jazz. This is a. This is actually a Christmas episode, so Merry Christmas, um, yeah, Merry Christmas, and to our I mean, if you're animals, if you're still to looking to get a Christmas gift for yourself or for someone, um, there's something. It's called the layover hoodie.
1: There's something it's still for available. Everyone. The reviews, the reviews are off the charts, and yeah, I mean, we want to get him into the the right hand. So make sure. Yeah. Uh, you come correct, come get a hoodie. They're still still available for the time being. Um, and I guess going forward, I mean, 2024 will be a fun year for Sean and I as we create and navigate and find what's next for footwork and for ourselves. And uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone who's coming along on this journey and we'll be coming along in the next phase um, with more guests, with more creations, with a lot more. Just I guess more footwork. just different avenues. Yeah, just more footwork, different avenues that we want to bring it into and, you know, more collaborations and connections and free support always helps. Um, footwork mugs are still there too. If you want to be on the what else do we have? We got a lot of shit. Um, consultations are still there for players. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you got to connect with people. It's know the windows too. So like, don't ex- don't expect when you're connecting with people that something's gonna come this winter, but you know, you never know. Yeah.
0: Do your best. Well said, well said.
1: I I'm, a, I'm I I'm speechless. I think everything. Else? Yeah.
0: No, I think the only thing is uh until next time. Keep moving. Forward. <laughs>
1: I wasn't sure uh, if you
0: forgot or you were trying to
1: make a little plot twist here, a little twist. I just wanted the... to I just wanted to see if you were going to assist me in my time of need, but I guess not. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path.